those baptisms were fantastic, and uh, we almost don't need a message. Almost. <laughs> so buckle up, and we're going to move through this fairly quickly. Uh, but it's important things that we talk about. Uh, we're really trying to engage in what is going on in our world. And with all that's going on in the election uh, cycle and all of those kinds of things, we have some things to just talk about as we try to live our lives in this climate um, under God. It's interesting that it really seems like this is going to be a historic time. Uh, they're talking about 62% of those eligible to vote will be voting. And at first glance, you go, well, that's a little number, but the reality is that's a huge number. It, I don't think they've ever recorded 62% before, and uh, so that's pretty historic. Also, what makes it very historic is all of the stuff that's going on along with it, all the partisanship, um, all the lack of civility, uh, the divisions we're seeing across our country. Uh, it's, uh, it, just, it just seems to be it's very significant. So how do we respond, especially those of us who consider ourselves Christ followers, how do we respond and how do we uh, live in a, in a world like this? Uh, how can we uh, disagree without becoming disagreeable? And there's a fine tipping line from being disagreeing to something and just being outwardly uh, disagreeable. So it's, it's just huge out there. And all of us know how easy it is to have a position on just about everything. And uh, so again, when it comes to our values, when it comes to what's important to us, how, how do you communicate that in a way that honors a person's personhood? Um, but how do you communicate that in a way that actually uh, gives your opinions, gives your thoughts? So again, it's so easy for us to be uh, divided. Uh, just for example, just imagine if the election was about these kinds of things. Okay, so how many uh, Pepsi people are out there? And how many, how many Pepsi people? Okay, see a few. Don't be bashful. I mean, we're not going to come after you if you say Pepsi. How many Coke? All right, how many say, boy, I don't like either of those things. Couldn't you come up with something else? Uh, you know, what about the Dr. Pepper people? Ugh. But anyway, you know, uh, you know, it's, again, you just see that. So what if you took that position and all of a sudden it's ratcheted up, you're disagreeing, and now you become a disagreeable person? Uh, how about this? It's, you know, it's, some of us have tons of candy still left over us, and uh, those of you who were here for the last uh, series know that uh, I was talking about Snickers satisfying, and uh, I was a little dishonest with about that because I can't stand Snickers bars. I really don't like them. They are not satisfying to me. I'm definitely a Milky Way guy, so we all have different positions on this. Uh, I will say, and you probably know this about me, if there's no candy in the house, I still will eat a Snickers bar. So it's, it's I don't like it, I don't want it, but you can twist my arm and I'll eat it. Uh, this is a very controversial issue. Uh, pineapple on your pizza. Uh, how many are Hawaiian pineapple people like that? Okay, okay. I, I was turned on to that recently and discovered that actually is good. Uh, opening my horizons, opening my chest. How many think that is the most horrible idea in the world? All right, and then there's some of you go, I don't like pizza. And I go, well, now that's an issue. We will be chasing you to your car with that one. Uh, another one, uh, iPhone versus Android. Oh, let me be a little bit fairer on that. Okay, iPhone versus Android. Woo, a whole nother issue. Gets very complicated. Uh, families are divided by this, and it's very sad. 
then there's one that really is, is, just, is just wrecking my life. And uh, this one, I just don't know what to do about it. Uh, for those of you who know, I, I just am torn. Uh, I'm hurting over this. And uh, yeah, yeah, thanks. Uh, I, just, I just, yeah, yeah, right. And bills today, it just gets worse. And so let's get to the other slide because I can't take that too much longer. Uh, but, uh, you know, these things seem light, and we're looking at a society that's polarized. Uh, we see, you know, the dividing point might be 50-50, 45, 55. What do we do when we're done? It's just, it's just huge. And we look at these other things and say those are silly. But uh, it all starts somewhere because I have actually heard real stories. I, I wish they were just legends. I just wish they were fake. But I've heard real stories of churches that divide over the color of a carpet. Somebody wants red, somebody wants green, and all of a sudden you see a church just going ballistic over this and something that seems so simple and so easy and, yeah, I like green, but it's red, big, you know, whatever that is. It's just amazing how, again, it's so easy at any age in any stage to become have a, a disagreement and let that become a way of life where we're actually disagreeable. And for those of us who are Christ followers, we definitely have the reputation of what we're against, not what we're for, and we have the reputation out there often of being just disagreeable about everything. And what's hard about that is then they take that spirit and they apply that to regular things of faith and they say, wow, if they're like that about uh, pineapple pizza, Hawaiian pizza, and they're so upset about it and they're so divisive about it, what does that mean to the faith that they claim to hold? So this is significant as we walk through these days. If you're here and you're supporting someone who got baptized, or you're just trying church out, I definitely think that you're going to find that some of the things we talk about are going to give you some things to think about. Some of this stuff is mainly like Christ followers, Christians, let's huddle around and have a family meeting about these things. But uh, those of you who are trying to figure out what even that means to you, I think you're going to learn some things as we walk through this. Well, again, what is amazing is being disagreeable and letting that start from just having a disagreement. Uh, all of us are uh, very aware, or many of us are aware of all the changes in the Supreme Court, and we're aware of Ruth uh, Banner Ginsburg, and then we're aware of all that went on that. But we're also aware, some of us, of Anton Scalia. And what's amazing about these two is they were polar opposites when it came to philosophy of life, in the sense, politics, the court, and all of that. Yet somehow they allowed their disagreements not to cause them to be disagreeable, and it actually, they had a friendship. And uh, you may have seen some of these news reports. Finally tonight, at a time when right and left rarely intersect, Supreme Court Justices Antonin Scalia and Ruth Bader Ginsburg proved that people can disagree and yet remain friends. Jan Crawford watched their friendship blossom through the years. Supreme Court Justices Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Antonin Scalia may butt heads on the bench. You know, what's not to like? <laughs> Except her views of the law, of course. 
But surprisingly shared the closest friendship of all the justices. Why don't you call us the odd couple? <laughs> Their political differences are an elephant in the room they aren't afraid to confront. And they both loved the opera. They, they're even uh, dressed in costume in one picture that they have. And they would do things with their spouses together, too. I mean, they would all spend New Year's Eve together. They would have these regular dinners. Their friendship goes back to their days serving on the Federal Appeals Court in Washington, and it was always wonderful just to hear them talk about their relationship. And I was listening to him and disagreeing with a good part of what he said, but thought he said it in an absolutely captivating way. <laughs> I think we should leave it at that great point. We agree on a whole lot of stuff. We do. Ruth is really bad only on the knee-jerk stuff. She is, <laughs> she is. They had a mutual respect, but they didn't compromise. In her statement yesterday, Justice Ginsburg said that his critiques, and Scalia could have some doozies, believe me, made her better. Uh, Justice Scalia nailed all the weak spots, the applesauce and the argle-bargle. That's a typical colorful Scalia language for you. And gave me just what I needed to strengthen the majority opinion. Within hours of Scalia's death, the partisan divide here in Washington went into overdrive. But their relationship proved that you could be deeply divided and still be civil. I think Ginsburg put it best when she said, we were best buddies. It was my great good fortune to have known him as a working colleague and treasured friend. What an example. I love the fact they didn't compromise they could say their position, but they didn't go to war with each other. And if we're not careful, even inside church circles, uh, we can go to war with each other. And uh, it's not that there are a lot of things on the horizon, per se, for Seneca Community Church in that area, but we continually have got to remind ourselves that it's fine to have a position on something. And we're going to talk real quickly towards the end about uh, how to filter those decisions, how to evaluate those decisions, how to evaluate those disagreements, um, how much intensity to give different levels of disagreements. There's, there's some things that really shouldn't come up on the radar screen, and there are some things that are significant. So don't think I'm saying that there aren't important issues, there aren't important things. But if you and I, as Christ followers and as a society, tend to error, it's not erring on letting things go too much. It's on never letting things go. It's on being disagreeable. And as we saw last week, if we're going to be salt and light, that's a game changer. If you're into the mission of making a difference in people's lives through showing them, leading them into a growing relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's what's at stake with your level of being disagreeable. So sometimes we can get this idea, I'm right, but then we lose the right to speak into somebody's life or have a conversation with them. And it is a fine dance. It's messy. But if you and I as Christians aren't willing to wade into that, we're going to lose our opportunity to speak to people, to communicate things, and most importantly, to communicate the love of Christ, the message that Jesus came so that you and I could have life. We just celebrated that through the symbol of baptism, death, burial, resurrection. 
And I would hate to lose the right to speak into those things because I was right on a political issue. And again, we're going to get to the point where I give you a little bit of a filter. I'm not going to give you how to do, I'm going to give you how to think about it, but I'm not going to give you easy answers. As a Christ follower, you need to be a thinking person, not a spoon-fed person. You need to know why you believe, what you hold to your belief. You need to know it for you, not what Dave Spencer thinks per se, not what somebody else thinks. You need to know for you. And that doesn't happen by just, just happen. You don't put your head on your pillow, wake up the next morning, aha! You've got to engage, you've got to think. You actually got to do something like watch stuff, read stuff. There's plenty of sources for you to digest and come to some kind of understanding of these things. So it is so important. And uh, what is at stake is not being right. It's not having this position. What is at stake is yours and my witness, testimony, representation. We talked about being an ambassador. That's what's at risk so much more important than a lot of other things. I've got some things written down here, and it just makes me a little nervous even saying them. Gun control, immigration, uh, racial reconciliation, taxes, war, mass, lockdown, vaccines. I even threw in there Chick-fil-A, because sometimes that can be an issue. But whatever that may be, it's... Christ, good news, outweighs all those things. A hundred times, a thousand times, infinity times infinity. But again, I, I will talk very quickly about some ways to think through that. When, so when I was thinking about talking about this, I, I came, and I didn't, we don't have time to really camp on this. Uh, if you look in your message guide on the talk it over section, you have some, a link there. You can look a little bit more about the details. But if you just think of the disciples and their different backgrounds, There are different spectrums on the way society was going. When Jesus arrived on the scene, uh, politics and positions, and I could give you all, it just was crazy. And in his group, the group that he chose, there were some people that were just like hardcore uh, nationalists when it came to Israel and getting rid of the Romans and even to the point where if it takes it, let's, let's go to the violence level and kick the Romans out. There were some zealots, if you want. Uh, some people even, I don't necessarily would agree with this, but some people described it as, as a terrorist kind of person on that extreme. And then all the way over here, you had a tax collector who was, was, a, was a sympathizer, actually collected taxes for the upper, um, occupa- occupational uh, uh, army, the Romans. They, they were, they, so spectrum, huge. Yet, as you read through the accounts, you see a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but you really have to look hard. Somehow, uh, these people that naturally disagreed about everything, never got to the place where they became so disagreeable that they weren't able to impact the world they lived in. And thank God they were able to impact the world we live in, they lived in. Because here, almost 2,000 years later, here we are sitting in a building called a church, totally around the other side of the world, 
celebrating five people going public with their faith. That would not have happened. That would not have happened. It's because of the way they loved each other. I'm sure they didn't back down and cheer their thoughts, but they loved each other. A lot of things we could look at, but you see this uh, just Jesus praying for his disciples and actually praying for us. And the big question about this prayer is, is it being answered? Is it being answered uh, in our generation? Is Jesus' prayer of almost 2,000 years ago, are we a part of the solution and the answer to that prayer? Or are we the reason he hunkered down and prayed for that? And that prayer still echoes today. We read, I am praying not only for them, but for those who will believe in me because of them and their witness about me. That's us. The goal is for all of them to become one in heart and mind, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, so they might be one in heart and mind with us then the world might believe in you. In fact, that they, you sent me. So the idea here is that our unity, our love, it doesn't mean we uh, you know, are clones of each other, but our unity speaks so loud. I could go back and give you quotes from historians from way back, 1,700 years ago, 1,800 years ago, and, and there's this, this common thread Oh, how those Christians, those Christ followers, those people of the way love one another. And they love others. There was never a glimmer of disagreeable becoming their way of life. Jesus goes on and says this, The same glory you gave me, I give them. So they'll be as unified and together as we are. I and them and you and me, then they'll be mature in this oneness and give this, the godless world evidence that you sent me and loved them in the same way you loved me. Are you, Christ follower, evidence that Jesus was sent, that Jesus loves that this Trinity, and it's hard to figure out, I baptize in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God in three persons. I've told you this before. It'd be easier for me to say there are three gods that get along really well. But the Scriptures don't speak that. One God in three persons. That kind of makes him God and me not, because I can't get my mind around it. I can tell you little stories that kind of seem like that. As some of us who have been around have heard about the egg and the shell and the oak and you know, all this kind of stuff. And yes, yeah, but, it, but it, it doesn't do it complete justice so that we can have the same unity that they have. He prays that for us. And what's wonderful is that is the evidence to an unbelieving world. They can't get their mind around it when you and I can disagree, can come from different backgrounds politically and all this stuff, yet we don't become disagreeable. It's, 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 a, it's amazing when that happens. Francis Schaeffer says this. He says, Jesus is giving a right to the world upon his authority. He gives the world the right to judge whether you and I, Christ followers, are, are really Christ followers on the basis 
of our observable love towards all Christians. Wow is your observable love to all Christians. And when I use the word Christians, I'm meaning the person that is a Christ follower, not the person that is a cultural Christian. Sometimes you can be a cultural Christian, uh, but it's, it's, not, it's not a heart thing. It's for another conversation, but for the person that has placed their trust in Christ in the 70s, we all heard, those of us who are that old, into the 80s, born-again Christian. There was this idea of making the distinction between someone who's a cultural Christian and someone who is engaged and has a relationship with Christ uh, Christian. So if you're not a Christ follower this morning, you have been given permission by the one that those of us who are Christ followers follow to say, hey, hey, I'm judging you. I'm evaluating to see if there's actually the love that your person you follow actually is reflected in your life. So, as we think about this as a couple thoughts, we need just to wrap our minds around is often for a lot of us, we do not know how to disagree. Just don't know how to disagree. Don't know how to share our ideas, our concepts. Don't know when to disagree and when to keep our mouth shut. Sometimes it's not a compromise for you to keep your mouth shut. Sometimes it's not a compromise. Actually, it's an endorsement of being loving by not saying something. It's, again, it's not you're compromising. It's just, it just doesn't need to be on the radar. It doesn't need to be on the radar. I, I had to learn this as a parent. My kids, believe it or not, were not perfect at doing things around the house. So I could either celebrate that they were doing things right and doing it mostly right and getting it, or I could go around and pick them apart. I was right. No, there's just the right time for that kind of stuff, and there's the wrong time for that. We don't know how to disagree. We don't know how to function that way. If your brother or sister in God's family does something wrong, go and tell them what they did wrong. It's, it's an individual thing. It's a disarming thing. Do this when you're alone with them. If they listen to you, then you've helped them to be your brother or sister again. So you don't come on too strong. You just, you, you just feel out the conversation. You don't want to back them into a corner. You don't want to shame them. You want them to hear. And that's what Paul says when he says, so when you communicate it, say only what people need to hear and in a way that they will hear it so that it builds them up according to their needs. That way you will communicate grace to those who hear them. Do you, when you have a disagreement and you're ready to, to, to say something, do you think, how will this benefit the hearer of what I'm going to say? Or how will this just make me seem right and them seem wrong and small? If that's the agenda, it's not helpful. It's not helpful. You and I, especially those that are close to us, learn how to communicate with each other. For those of us who have gone to Bible things, you know, we hear about doing a proper hermeneutic when it comes to God's Word. Studying it right. One of the things we forget to do is doing a hermeneutic on the person we're actually talking with to know how to speak with them, to know what connects with them, to know how they will be best at hearing. Paul goes on to say, 
Don't grieve God. Whoa! So when I am disagreeable, when I'm not being nice, when I'm not communicating in such a way that it benefits those who hear me, I'm not only grieving the person, I'm grieving God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you. We talk about when we say yes to Christ, we're connected to God through his Holy Spirit. He joins our lives. So he's moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. So when you and I are disagreeable, when you and I are jerky, we don't only affect the person we're speaking to, we actually grieve God. And I think we even grieve God when we're absolutely right. It's our approach that grieves God. Make a clean break with all cutting, backbiting, profane talk. Be kind and loving to each other. Forgive each other the same as God forgave you through Christ. So our motivator in that, and maybe it stings a little bit, maybe it should sting a lot, is that Christ has forgiven you Christ has given you a lot of slack. He's gotten off your back to some degree. He isn't holding you accountable in the sense that you don't have a relationship with him, that you don't have eternity. So if he can do that for you, why can't you at least have some kind of shadowing of what has happened in your life to somebody else? And when you and I don't have that, we're grieving him. We're, we're breaking his heart. So Disagree. We, we need to learn how to do that. Do that well. Do that right. But not become disagreeable. Because if we go back in there, I would say that being a disagreeable person, having a chip on your shoulder, being nasty and unkind in these kinds of things is a sin. It's a sin. I was talking with someone the other day, and please don't start doing this, but I said, I'd rather be hanging around somebody who has profanity in their mouth, in their language, than somebody who is unkind and ruthless and gossipy and all that kind of stuff, because I find that kind of stuff does more damage in a person's life than slipping a bad word every once in a while. Yet many times in Christian circles, we elevate, oh, the bad word, but we say nothing to the backbiting nastiness and that stuff. That stuff gets a pass. A slip a bad word in every once in a while, you're a bad person. Give me a break. Again, make a clean break from those kinds of things. It's amazing. I'm going to skip right over to this. Uh, one of the things that Ruth Bader Ginsburg says uh, when it came to a relationship with Scalia, says this, we know that even though we have sharp disagreements on what the Constitution means, we have a trust. We revere the Constitution and the court, and we want to make sure that when we leave it, it will be in good and in, in as good a shape as it was when we joined the court. And James Emery White puts a little spin on this when he communicates it this way. This is what he says. He says, We know that even though we have a sharp disagreements on what the Constitution means, we have a trust. 
We revere, this is in politics and everything, we revere the body of Christ. The body of Christ is Christ followers, uh, collective together. We revere the body of Christ and its witnesses, witness before a watching world. And we want to make sure that when we leave it, it will be as good, it will be, as, be in as good shape as it was when we joined it. Just imagine if you took that view to a local body of Christ. Just imagine if when you became a part, everything from participating, engagement, being a part of a local body of Christ. And just imagine that for some reason you have to move somewhere else. Maybe the Lord calls you home, whatever it is. When you're absent from that local body of Christ, when you're absent from Seneca Community Church, it actually is a better place because you were a part of it, not a worse place because you were a part of it. That's what we're getting at here. This is hard, hard, hard stuff. So, still means we should disagree, not become disagreeable. Uh, if you go online, I will have the rest of these blanks filled in for you, but I'm going to want to talk about practicing under God discernment, and you'll be able to find the answers to that, just the idea that there are some things that are commandments, there's some things that are convictions, there's some things that are matters of conscience, there are some things that are conjecture, wisdom, deciding, uh, there's some things that are, are just choices, and we need to, as we look at these things, we need to see where they honestly fall. And for many of us as Christ followers, we take choices, conjecture, even matters of conscience, and elevate them to commandment when they are not commandments. And then we superimpose them on somebody else and say they're wrong because they're not doing this. We need to be able to look through that grid. I'll give you uh, that information online on our Facebook page. Um, also, I will give you a link to a sermon series we did probably seven years ago where we talked about these things in detail. Uh, we talked about wine and weed. We talked about gambling. We talked about uh, plastic surgery. We talked about all these issues and looked through that grid, many other ones, and, and tried to figure that out. So the bottom line is this. The issue when our disagreements, we have to ask ourselves, is this issue unbiblical, out of alignment with what God would have us? Is it unwise? Is it unimportant? Some of our issues, some of our disagreements actually are unimportant. Or is it you? Is it me? Is it just something that I don't like? When I thought about this, I couldn't even get into this discussion of these two kinds of coffees. <sighs> Can't even talk about that. And, whoa, you know, because that to me is a commandment level thing. But anyway, that's for another story. Pray for me. Disagreements are okay. Disagreeable isn't okay because it impacts the way we point to Christ in a world that desperately, desperately needs him. Would you pray with me?